burning movies. With Terry and Greg. We are burning movies, and the movie we're burning this week uh, is Tar. Uh, I'm Greg, and I'm with Terry, Terry. again. Yeah, yeah, we never even introduced ourselves on the last we one. Did. Maybe we're gonna have to switch it. <laughs> we'll make this episode the first one. one, sure, and then that one can be episode two, and then you'll know who we are. And we, yeah, that's right. Uh, so we are watching Tar this week. Uh, this is a 2022 movie centered on a fictional yeah. character named Lydia Tar. I'll tell you, I took a break and looked up to just see if this was a biopic. I wasn't sure. Uh -huh. It plays a lot like a biopic, it, right? It sort of does, yeah. Uh, it is not for Lydia, a while. Lydia Tarr is a fictional character. She's one of the world's greatest composer-conductors, the mm. first female mm -hmm. conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic. She is a master class instructor at the Juilliard School of Performing Arts, and she is a controlling, manipulative predator. Would that be fair? Uh, no. No, okay. Uh, accused... Predator, okay, for sure, right? I, I think okay. we're not doing spoilers yet. When we get yeah, into spoilers, yeah. I will definitely get into that idea of uh, accused versus uh, defined. Defined, sure, fair enough. Sure. Uh, this is directed by Todd Field. You might know from Little Children uh, in the Bedroom. The, the, oh. the movie I know. Okay. Oh yeah, go ahead. This makes total sense to me. Sure. The movie in the bedroom. Have you seen in the bedroom? I with Sissy Spacek and okay, no, that movie, absolutely positively fantastic. I cannot recommend in, in the, the bedroom, bedroom enough. Okay. And also, the pacing of in the bedroom identical to this movie. Okay. The idea that uh, watching Sissy Spacek sit in the living room watching television for five minutes is a scene in the movie. Nothing else happens. Yeah. It's her sitting in the living room watching TV, and we're watching her watch TV for five minutes is part of that movie. This movie has a very similar feel. I'm, I didn't know that, but, man, am I not surprised. Well, so and let me make one more connection that maybe drives that home, too. Uh, the other thing Todd Field perhaps best known for, working together with Stanley Kubrick on Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> yeah. Also paced yeah. that way. Yeah, it Stanley, makes sense. Stanley Kubrick, a master uh -huh. class of his own in, in writing and directing, also kind of slow paced. Yeah. yeah. For most of his Oh, movies. yes. I mean, 2001 A Space Odyssey is a particular type of movie for a particular type of person. And so is Tar. Yeah, and so... <laughs> Is tar. For kind of similar reasons. Uh -huh. uh, so we are in the in the pre-spoiler stage of, mm -hmm. of, the, of the pod. Um, but I think that if I were to describe this movie in one way, uh, it, it has to do with the cast. This is a uh, senior recital for Kate Blanchett. It is. It is uh, a, that is absolutely a, just a highlight movie. It's, it almost seems like written just to highlight her particular... Skill set, yes. maybe? Yep, and it is yeah. a success in that regard. If nothing else, sure. Kate Blanchett is fantastic in this film, playing Lydia Tarr. Um, and uh, she is in almost every scene, every perhaps every, every second. Almost, I mean, there is not a scene where she isn't at least on the periphery. Uh, there are other people having conversations. Right. 
But she's there. She enters or exits yeah. or is always in, I think, every scene. Every scene. And so this is a Kate Blanchett vehicle, but she's also the road. She's the the, the highway system. She is everything mm -hmm. in this movie. Uh, it also stars uh, Naomi Merlant as Francesca Lettentini, her assistant. Mm -hmm. Nina Haas is her wife, is Lydia Tarr's wife, uh, Sharon yeah. Goodnow. Uh, and then Sophie Cower is sort of the introduced love interest yeah. catalyst for a lot of the disorganization that enters the story. Uh, Olga... The celloist. Yeah, the cellist. Mekina, the, Sorry, the cellist. cellist. Uh, the young cellist that comes in. Uh, and so uh, I thought I would just pitch it to you. Initial reactions, without spoilers, your initial takeaway thoughts. I really, really wish I'd have known that this is from the same person who did In the Bedroom. Because okay. going into the movie, I would have had a different mindset because ugh, it is slow-paced. Yeah. It's, it's a slog in some spots. I would go so far to say in that I struggled three or four different times. I, I really yeah. had to look how, how much time has gone by in this movie. I'm trying to recap the plot so far is there's... Did you watch it all in one sitting? I did watch it all okay. in one sitting. I got up a couple of times to go get a snack, grab a beer, you know, go to the bathroom, whatever. I got up and paused it a couple of times. But I watched it all in one night. Yeah, it was, so a listener should it's also, long. It's two should and also hours. It's two, like two hours yeah. and 40 minutes. It is, it is a very long movie. I did mm -hmm. not watch it all in one sitting. I don't blame you. I broke it apart. Um, it, it moves slowly. Uh, that's not to say it's not entertaining, especially at parts, but it moves slowly. Uh, so, mm. obviously some thought goes into what movies we're going to pick from one week to the next. Uh, why I picked this movie. I was supposed to me to pick this one. Wow. This was the critical darling of 2022. Yeah. So whether it won the awards or not, it won some of them. Whether it was received well by the, the audience or not. Uh, this was the fourth movie ever, ever. To simultaneously be named Best Film of the Year by the New York Film Critics Circle, the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, the London Film Critics Circle, and the National Society of Film Critics. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that it would be critically acclaimed mm -hmm. based on the subject matter. Yeah. Lots of times critics love movies that are very specialized right yeah it is very specifically about conducting yes and the obsession it takes to be great at something mm -hmm. and i think critics really really buy into that sort of idea especially so. like in hollywood and the idea of movie making in that well you mentioned kubrick before mm -hmm. kubrick always a critical darling even though often very slow paced lots of excess time on shots but that obsession is what critics often loved and maybe you know why uh we also have movies like michael bay M michael bay movies because other people that just it's not for that sure well and I, I think that that speaks to a large juxtaposition that almost inherently needs to exist between critics and popular audience. Yeah, but the otherwise the, the, criti the critics wouldn't too, be critics. right? 
Uh, Isn't the audience score high? So if we look at Rotten Tomatoes, uh, they they found about a, a 90 to 95, somewhere in there, percent of a certified fresh critic score, about 75% oh. of the audience. So it's certified fresh in that regard, too. Um, sure, but that seems but, more... I think if you go to watch Tar, you kind of know what you're getting into as well. Right, like I read the synopsis and yeah. I knew that I knew the type of movie it was, and so I knew I wasn't going to get a bullet train yes. movie. Yeah. So much more likely to watch it. And if you would, you know, you I'm not going to watch this with my 13 year old. Right. But there's no way he'd hate it. Right. So I mean, if, if Chris Nolan is doing a, a movie mm. about the uh, about you know an orchestra, uh, sure. Midway through, the orchestra is going to get attacked by time people that <laughs> shoot bullets backwards, and it's going to right. We've seen Tenet. That's where that's Chris Nolan takes it, and it's going to get popular acclaim. Critics have to have some opinion that's going to be different than the general popular opinion. Otherwise, they wouldn't be the critics, right? Uh, it did get nominated for six Academy Awards. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't win any of them, but uh, Blanchett won Best Actress acclaim. Uh, for at, at the BAFTAs uh, in Britain, at the sure. Golden Globes, and at the Critics' Choice Awards. Uh, and as we mentioned before, it was certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So there was a lot of reason to think that this was an important movie for us to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I was glad to have watched it, though it was slow and it was long. It wasn't always as entertaining as I hoped. But my question for you yeah. here in our pre-spoiler stage... Uh, we're hoping some folks are going to pause the podcast and they're going to go give three hours, <laughs> three to watch hours. or three days or whatever it takes uh -huh. to get through it. Um, and uh, before listening to the part where we talk about everything that happens. So yeah. in your opinion, why should someone pause the podcast uh, and, and go watch this movie? They should watch it because it, it takes its time to build relationships and expectations. And if you are into the idea of the reason I watch movies is to be engrossed in something and to sort of lose myself into a world, mm -hmm. then this is a movie for you. It'll it, it, yeah. Absolutely, you will become part of Lydia Tarr's life. Yeah. You will feel like you are in her hip pocket for three hours. And you'll feel like that because it takes its time watching her plink away on the piano just to get the two notes of a chime correct. Yep. And to watch her go look at into the refrigerator and things like that. Yeah. And if you like Kate Blanchett, you have to watch them. Yeah. Because it is just a Kate Blanchett vehicle. She, yeah. she is really good in it. You forget that it's a movie star. You think it's just... Uh, you think it's Lydia Tarr. Absolutely. And like you said, at the beginning, you really feel like this could be a biopic. Yeah. It, it has that feel of we're just watching somebody's life. It so does. I think that's why you would watch the movie. If you were into that sort of movie, and if you've seen In the Bedroom, if you've seen some Kubrick movies, the slower movie, the slower ones, that, and you really love the atmosphere of those... You'd enjoy this movie. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I think I think if you uh, are someone who really does love an incredible acting performance yeah. for the acting performance, this is 
uh, a movie mm -hmm. for this is a movie for you. This is uh, with maybe less drama to it. This is a Tom Hanks castaway situation. This is <laughs> it is not Tom Hanks castaway. It, <laughs> it's not the same now, movie, but it, not, it is an opportunity yeah. to say we are uh -huh. going to isolate a singularly talented actor. Put them in the as is not just a showcase, but the entire the entire movie, uh, and let them cook. Let them show what they've got, mm -hmm. and, and that's exactly what it is. Kate Blanchett rises to that occasion. I think she's excellent in it, and I think the surrounding cast of largely unknown. Unknown, they're great. I thought they're great. Really great. Yeah. Really, it really uh -huh. great for what their role was, which is to to help create the Lydia Tarr character and give substance to her life. Um, so it, it, yeah. I think that's the reason. One of the things I wondered, and I'm not sure about if it, you like conducting. That's where I was. Gonna that's go. the. It has just got to be porn for you. Yes, <laughs> really. If you're a conductor, you must watch the movie. That's so, it. So, it, like, there are those yeah. movies that are for niche audiences. Yeah. and it makes me think of so, like, when I was when I was in high school and I and I ran cross country, uh, we. Um, we would regularly watch the Prefontaine movies, right? <laughs> About Steve Prefontaine. Yeah. Because that, that was our niche. That was the uh -huh. thing we did. And uh, so if you're into, into conducting or just like orchestral things that are out of my depth that I don't know much about, yeah, uh, then I think this movie's for you. Or if you're just someone that's like interested to learn that world. There were parts about this experience. I had no idea uh, yeah, how sure. things like auditions work. How, oh, I did like that. Oh, we'll talk yeah. about that later. I did like that. The cello audition. The professional side yeah. of, of Philharmonic orchestras, I had no idea what they mm -hmm. were like. You get a glimpse inside uh, if you watch this. So uh, to me, that those are the reasons you should watch it. Yeah? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right, when we come back on the <laughs> other side, we are going to yeah. uh, open up spoilers. We're going to talk more broadly about the movie and what we think the big takeaways from the movie are. We are back. We're going to talk yeah. about the movie spoilers and all at this point. So yeah. uh, hopefully you've either taken the chance to pause, you've watched three hours, almost three hours of Tar, or you've decided you are not going to watch three hours of Tar, but you want to find out what everybody's talking about when they're yeah. talking about Tar. So let's do a little bit of a recap of the movie. Yeah. So we kind of get to see Lydia Tar. This should take about 12 seconds. It should, yeah. Uh, <laughs> past, present, and future. And she grapples to maintain an iron grip on her life and everyone. Yeah, in that's it. a good description. Uh, and then ultimately she is yeah. forced to confront the sort of the, the disorders of life, the way that life can become more complicated than she prefers, and the consequences wow. of her actions. Uh, the audience is given an inside look into Lydia's greatness as well as her compulsion to control and manipulate the audience. That's the word, control, right? That's, yes. that's the theme of the movie, I think. Uh, we learn of a former student that's only very briefly on screen, uh, I believe. And oh, they never show her face? I'm Krista? not sure if they do. You're Krista. talking about Krista. Krista, yeah. Okay. Uh, they, I think they maybe sort of show her face and, like, the back of her head, yes. right? She's the redheaded. Yes. A couple yes. of different scenes in the beginning. Is she a love interest? A former love interest? Yes. Yeah. I think there are f dream sequences, right? Where Lydia's dreaming. Seems to imply and it. it Certainly seems like yes, they had romantic uh, getaways. Yeah, 
a couple yes. of times at least. Yeah. And, and so Krista, uh, what we learn more about her is that her career and largely her life ends up being submarined by mm -hmm. Lydia. We don't get the full backstory necessarily as to what about their relationship led to that, but we know that she... Well, a failed romantic relationship, probably, right? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. She ends up torpedoing via uh, uh, reference checks, <laughs> reference letters, uh, any potential career opportunities. Telling Absolutely. People Pretty that, brutal. That, that Krista would be bad for their orchestra, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the result is tragic. Uh, Krista, they, they discover, kills herself. Um, and there's a resultant lawsuit from the surviving family, suing Lydia Tarr in particular for uh, that role. Sure. Uh, meanwhile, there's important personnel decisions. It's business as usual for the <laughs> Berlin Philharmonic. Uh, they have to replace a cellist. Uh, and they decide also to rotate out the assistant conductor. Yeah, they don't decide. She decides. Lydia decides to do that. Yeah, more and control, right? She's... The thought being, too, that this is a job that Francesca had been expecting. Francesca, For sure. personal assistant, oh, yes. thought, I am keeping the this, this secrets. Well, that's sort of the catalyst of the whole thing. It is. Is when she doesn't get the promotion, she leaves, and that causes the cascading effect. The skeletons come out of the yeah. closet a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so Francesca doesn't get that role. And part of the reason she doesn't get that role is because Lydia Tarr becomes centrally focused on using her nepotistic influence in one other direction, which is to uh, make sure that the cellist that gets selected to fill the open seat goes to somebody she seems to have uh, a romantic attraction sure. to, Olga. Um, and uh -huh. because of that, because of her marriage to the first chair violinist, uh, and because of her previous history, uh, she gets accused when she rotates out the assistant conductor that this is this must be for Francesca. This and as a result, it feels like Lydia feels enough pressure that she doesn't. doesn't. Yeah, it has a uh, reverse effect, right? Right, a reverse jinx, as you might call it, if it was a sports thing, right? You would. And so you could make the the case. Is it too far to make the case that maybe she chose selecting Olga for the open cello position at the expense of being able? to choose Francesca, or do you think they're unrelated? She wouldn't have been able to choose Francesca anyway. I think she wouldn't have been able to choose Francesca anyway. I think okay. the there are a couple of indications of this throughout the movie, including sort of right at the very beginning in the dinner or lunch that she has in which her mentor kind of talks to her about the idea of how women have been in this particular position and how Lydia has been such a, a powerful advocate for women and how that has become the expectation of her always from here on out. Yeah, so, sure, mm -hmm. yeah. So some of this starts to unravel for her. Uh, we noted before that Francesca does not get this position, and as a result, some of the skeletons start coming out of the closet. There's a lawsuit from Krista's mm -hmm. family. Uh, there also then is this video that gets cut together of a class, which I think <laughs> is a scene worthy of its own interrogation. It really is. As two people who teach, yeah, that was a super interesting scene. It was. So this yeah. was a, a master class, is how it gets described, uh, at Juilliard School of Performing Arts. So she is a sort of special guest teacher there. 
she leads a class in which it was possible that when somebody recorded video, I imagine on a phone, uh, of her teaching the class, that they could cut together certain clips of the teaching lecture to present her in a way that ranges from physically inappropriate to the students mm -hmm. to bullying of the students to yeah. even uh, potentially uh, talking in ways that marginalize people, racist language. Yeah, and so I don't know. You just want to talk about that scene, sure. or what do you want? To, I mean, yeah, let's dive it's into sort it. of right in the middle of the of the movie. Yeah, it's one. I think it might be my favorite scene. It, I think it's definitely my favorite scene of the movie. Uh, maybe maybe the only scene that I really enjoy, sure. enjoyed because enjoyment is not uh, what I got out of the movie so much as maybe being engrossed at times and bored sure, at enough. times. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the scene takes place yeah. in essentially a performing hall. But imagine, what, 12 students? 10 students? Yeah, Not many yeah. In this big lecture hall. Well, so it seemed like 12 students and like six or eight performers okay. that were there just to help perform whatever. Yeah, a company. Yeah. That's very good. Accompany whatever they were, the activity yeah. of her teaching others how to conduct. Right. Yeah. Right. And so she, uh, there's one student in particular uh, that mm -hmm. she, she zeroes in on uh, and an interesting dialogue emerges uh, where she makes reference to the work of Bach and asks if he's ever performed Bach or, or conducted yeah. Bach. And he says he, 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 says he refuses to, yeah. that he will not perform Bach uh, because of transgressions in Bach's life that relate to his position of... Uh, you took advantage of people. You took advantage yeah. of people, but it was largely because he was, he was a straight white man, too. Yeah, sure. So he got... Nobody ever checked him. Certain privileges right. of, based on his identity. Yeah. And she makes the case that we shouldn't be using people's identity to critique their art. Uh, it's Super an art or artist comment. conversation. And she is able to throw it back at him by saying... What if every time somebody looked at my work, they did so through the lens of a woman or through the lens of a lesbian? Um, and I think that's an interesting way to frame it. Uh, and so, but how about how about just the discussion of art versus artist? Well, we we talk about this often. It's often one of the topics that I encourage yeah. my students when they are doing persuasive speeches, or especially right now at this time of the semester when they're doing group projects. Something that I like for them to tackle is the idea of, uh, and then we, you can just give examples of Michael Jackson. Can we still listen to and support the music of Michael Jackson, even though it's pretty apparent that a number of things he did in his life were, at the very least, uh, inappropriate, and at the very most... Abhorrent. Abhorrent, yes. The, Probably somewhere in between. Sure. But can we still listen to his music? Because, goddamn, that guy was a great musician. He was, he was absolutely yeah. a genius in all kinds of ways. Uh, Morgan Wallen's name comes up a lot because, I mean, I guess he's, he's sort of moved away from that discussion over the last maybe two years or so. And I think he's done that in a very uh, slick and effective way because he kind of was in the middle of it and doubled down on it a little bit and then figured out a way to distance himself sure. from that idea while still embracing the particular crowd that he is most popular. Yeah. 
but um, I think it's it's it always comes down to, and every time the student, that's why I really encourage this particular topic, is because it's always different. Mm. Everybody who tackles the idea tackles it in a different way. Yeah, because it's so nuanced. Because to you, what Morgan Wallen says might be abhorrent, but to somebody else, that might be. Yeah, it's inappropriate in 2023, but you know, when it, where I grew up and where I live, we're live and let live people, sure. and it's not hurting anybody. Sure. And you know, so they have they have a different view. And then, of course, Colin Kaepernick would be another person that would fall into this, right? If you totally disagree with the message that he was sending and the way he was sending it. Uh, you would have that same reaction. I'm never watching the NFL again. I never do. I, you know, these things that I'm sure you heard yeah, from sure. people at that time when this was going on. And the idea of, yeah, he's still free. <laughs> the 49ers are still going to start him at quarterback. It doesn't matter right. what you think mm -hmm. because his art is so fantastic. So are there, I, I think there's two, two parts to the question. Okay. There, there is the, the personal choice, and then there is the prescription. There is, mm -hmm. for you, are there artists where you would say, you know what, I just can't. Definitely. Can't and then, For sure there are. Do you take it a step further where you would also potentially say to somebody, whether it be just someone in your life where you have a trusting relationship to them, or even a stranger, and say, you know, I really just don't think that that's a good decision. I don't think you should. Uh, I mean, so I, it would have to be sides. so. It would have to be pretty lines? extreme for me to go out of my way right? to tell a stranger, right? Hey, don't do that. Mm -hmm. I, I would, I, I would. There would be some situations, and when I, which I would tell them, can we turn this off? This is no. Let's not watch this. Let's not have this particular thing. But have to be pretty extreme. Yeah. Uh, but somebody close to me. I would have no problem saying, uh, you know, you hear an artist and just bringing up the fact that, yeah, this might be a good song, but I, this is not my favorite person in the world. Right. Right. And just yeah. sort I, I feel comfortable making a comment like that. Yeah. Are there any examples that, uh, the other side of it, uh, for yourself? You that I just you don't, don't listen, listen to, to it anymore? Or you don't, you don't watch their movies, you... Uh, yeah, Kevin Spacey. Support them, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I used to love Kevin Spacey. Sure. Uh, Usual Suspects. Uh, yeah. You know, just all there's a lot. Uh, Seven is one of my favorite psychological thrillers. Oh, I love Seven. Just every time Kevin Spacey comes on, I just ah, uh, that's that guy. It just it, it removes me from the art. It takes me out of the movie, and makes me think ah. Uh, that that particular story and that particular way of life and that you know the way that was handled, um, that's I don't want that in my movie and my music. Yeah. And so it, it's so easy to find other things yeah. that are great that I can I can avoid it without feeling like I'm missing out. It sounds like you and I might be of the same mind on this, where it's like I don't I don't boycott it. I don't think I'm accomplishing anything by not no. watching it not listening to it, not supporting that person. What the problem is to me is that when I see that person, I think about the thing. Yeah, the thing. I think about the thing. And then it ruins yeah. the thing. So uh, you you started with the example of Michael Jackson. I don't really listen to Michael Jackson. So I'm now not, I did. Uh, and so for me, it's not, uh, he's great. He's very, very, yeah. uh, as an artist. But when I hear his music, my first thought isn't, 
the song, it isn't <clears throat> my, my, even my experiences of where I've been when I heard the song or the ways that it sort of becomes tied to our lived experience. My first thought is I think this guy molested children. Yeah. Uh, and so then it's like, ah, I don't want to listen to it anymore. Right. And so for me, that's what I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm not sure. saying no one should. I'm not even participating in something political like a boycott. I just won't enjoy it. That's what I mean. I won't enjoy it. And for Michael, for me, Michael Jackson is right down the middle. It's the most difficult one because I really do have all those great associations. Yeah. When I was young, Bad came out and it was just the thing. Michael Jackson was the biggest star in the world. Uh, everybody I knew listened to him. I listened to him. I had his record and I played it over and over and over and over and over. And then the Thriller video, I remember setting my whole week around the premiere of the Thriller video and just all those different things. Yeah. Um, and I just loved his music, too. Just, yeah. There was a documentary in which it was, the, the documentary is just fantastic. Uh, and it really gave me a, more of an insight into what a great musician he was mm -hmm. and how he understood way more than just he can sing and dance. Because yeah. maybe the greatest dancer... I mean, I mean, you go back to some of the ballroom dancing people. Uh, it's the pop music. Sure, pop music. Uh, they, they were, they probably had a lot more uh, time and effort put into it. But um, he's the best. Yeah. But when I listen to a song, I am immediately split on both thoughts. Yeah. Man, this song and beat it is so good. Yeah. Beat it is such a wonderful song. Man in the Mirror, as I remember, ah, oh, so many things about it, but then it's also, it's Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. My, my final thought, yeah. my final thought on it, well, a couple final thoughts on it are, um, number one, it is a quick path to hypocrisy that you just Oh, yes, I'm very aware. You sort of have to accept, right? <laughs> yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to, at any time just say, you know, I'm not listening to this because of the artist, be prepared for, Especially people that like that artist or whatever. Sure, but what about? But what about? It's what so about? easy. And you just have to be willing to say, you know what? That's that. Maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe I got to think about that. I did. Maybe I didn't know it. Maybe I forgot it. Whatever. But the other thing is that, especially as it relates to Tar, the privilege I have for not listening to Michael Jackson is I don't, as a career, have to study pop music. Yeah, that's true. And if I did have to study pop music for one reason or another for a career, I'd sure as heck need to listen to and know about. Michael Jackson, the probably, artist, not probably just the really appreciate him too. Yeah, and I feel like uh, that's the case being made by Lydia Tarr in this moment. Though mm -hmm. I do think it is an interesting um, foreshadow that the the student's objection is that Bach did these uh, committed these transgressions and got away with it because he was a white man. Uh, and later in the movie, Lydia Lydia Tarr also uh, is exposed for her transgressions, and she most certainly does not get away with them. Now, when we say ju justice isn't everybody gets away with transgressions equally, justice is the opposite. <laughs> everybody is held accountable for their transgressions equally. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there's some gender politics that perhaps come into play with the fact that she is given not a lot of latitudes in the way that a Johann Sebastian Bach might have. That also might have to do with centuries of difference. Sure. So what did you think about the idea that the, the video of the... the they spent a long time with the class. They showed like the whole lecture. 20 minutes, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, uh, this is when I said, if you're a conductor, this is porn. 
because I'll bet that this is a fantastic lecture about fantastic things. Sure. There's lots of, yeah. there's probably funny in parts and there's probably, if, if you know the thing, but I don't, you know, I know the name Bach, and yeah. I know, but I didn't know any of the other things they were talking about. Though you could see the point was that she's passionate about it and super knowledgeable about it and also energetic enough to be able to connect with these young people in a way that was really engaging. Yeah. And then they took the video and they cut it and they cut it and they cut it and the nuance of what she was doing was totally lost. Even though the kid was probably right for leaving. Yeah. Because she was making a point sort of at his expense. But yeah. uh, it wasn't something to be fired for. Right. Maybe she should watch it back and go, okay, should have stopped here. Should have not made that part personal. Yeah. Could have made the point without, could have brought somebody up somebody else up now let that kid go sit down instead of putting him at the piano right and done somebody else she really kind of pushed it too far which made him angry so it, it, it feels like a a, a follow-up discussion we're about to have is what if somebody cut up our lectures you know i think they could i yeah. talk about stuff in my class and i tell stories and give examples and talk about all kinds of stuff that if you would just take the last sentence it probably wouldn't sound great. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. And uh, yeah. But I think maybe a better one for one might be if you were to uh, cut up a practice from a, a sports coach or something like that. Sure. Like the, the, these, these are advanced level students uh, that are looking for one to one coaching on their ability to do better. So yeah. that's where when you that's say why like, you go maybe, to Juilliard. maybe shouldn't have isolated that one student, but to some right. extent, maybe you, you have to, you have to be able to tease out, to pick apart, to expose our limitations. So there's room to grow. Now, does that mean it has to be that dramatic that I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but ways that make that student feel so insecure under the spotlight. Well, and that was her intent too. It was. That was her intent was to make that student uncomfortable. She, she sort of, I think had a noble point to it, which was wipe out what you think. Yeah. Wipe out what you know. You have to start from a clean slate in order to have the music be the thing. Yes. Yeah. And, I, she was just sort of ineffective with that particular crowd yeah. because she was 50. I don't know. How old is she in the movie? 55? Seems 50, like a fair guess. 50? Somewhere 50 feels like a good Sure. Mm -hmm. And the students were 18, 19 years old. Yeah. And she was not connecting with that generation with her particular method. Yeah. And I, I think if you were to, if Lydia Tarr was a real person, you were to make that criticism, she would just simply say he's not cut out for it. Yep. Right? Like, sure. she, does, like she does with Krista. Uh -huh. and the, yeah. Uh, uh, That's a, right. A thing that, it, as you're watching this, when she discovers that Krista kills herself, this this student uh -huh. that she blackballed, immediate justification, processing. Yeah. Not it, our fault. Not our She She never fit in. She never belonged. Yeah. She was never She was obsessed. Us. She was obsessed with me. Yep. Yep. Uh, so... The, the likelihood that a Lydia Tarr is going to take any accountability what she did was inappropriate. Yeah, no way. No way. But I think that that would be true. That's a theme in this movie, too. No accountability for Lydia Tarr. Right. I, yes. To me, I mean, I, I was on a, a junior high 
football team and had my face mask yeah. grabbed and someone shout at me in front of the rest of the team. Of More dramatic than anything Lydia Tarr does in this class. But that doesn't mean that Lydia Tarr's pedagogical strategies were the best ones in this scene. So okay, this, this serves as another example of a way that disorder is introduced into Lydia's life where she so strongly fights for order and control. Uh, is this video getting released? Uh, there are now protesters protesting Lydia Tarr because <laughs> of what's are. happened to Krista, yeah. because of the, the publication of this cut-together clip uh, and other new forms of scrutiny. Um, and so it all starts to unravel for Lydia. She uh, ends up having to travel to New York for a deposition, and she brings with her yeah. Olga, uh -huh. the, the new the young. The young, young new cellist, right. who honestly hasn't given Lydia any meaningful sign of romantic reciprocation at this stage. Then. Um, maybe some flirtation, but maybe friendliness and friendliness. youthful enthusiasm. That's what you get out of the when when she uh, finds out some news at some point in the movie. She whoops and jumps down the stairs, yeah. and the joy yep. that she shows, yep. I think, is super refreshing for the people who are uh, yeah. the judges, which is way cool, and I think one of the things that Lydia is super drawn to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this experience, though, her choice to bring Olga proves to be a problem for <laughs> a lot of reasons. Well, <laughs> rightfully so. Yeah. So, uh, number one, she is being deposed because of uh, a relationship that was inappropriate, probably, uh -huh. with Krista. And so here's a mirror of that. Oh, oh she's also married. Number two, she's also <laughs> married. And it, while yeah. it, it does seem like uh, her wife, Sharon, knows uh, yeah, that Lydia has transgressed before. Has been uh -huh. okay with it. There's, there's this level of... Not communicating about it, mm -hmm. and they—and this is yeah. this has gone unspoken so far in the podcast. But they have a daughter. Well, I've got thoughts on the daughter yeah. and the relationship there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and so, it feels like Sharon's bigger objection is that the now with the now that there's protesters, now that there is yeah. public discord, that the family is a little bit threatened. So it, it unwinds her. It, well, and then and then finally, the other thing I think it exposes uh, is. And this, it emerges as a theme throughout it as relates to uh, Lydia's neighbor. That Lydia is aging. Like you said, she gets closer to 50. Yeah, yeah, somewhere, yeah. Olga's not interesting. Olga gives, yeah. her, gives her the brush off. Says, I'm going, I'm jet lagged, I'm going to bed. And then goes down and to dinner. Sneaks uh -huh. out and parties with other people. Sure does. And it, it, it is a moment of reconciliation, I think, for Lydia that she no longer has to pull and to sway yeah. from her position, from her attractiveness as a, as a talent and as a person anymore. And then things unravel between her and Sharon when Sharon sees that Olga went, uh, and then things she loses the grip on uh, her role within the Berlin Philharmonic, uh, and everything kind of comes apart for Lydia. So. Uh, to, to tie a bow on what happens, and then we can. It does. Dive. We should mention. Yes, please. That everything falls apart. Uh, two hours and fifteen minutes into the movie, <laughs> there is there. This takes a long time. All of this stuff. 
takes, we're talking about really is drawn out. It takes a while to get there. Uh, but, but then she has to, it, it all falls apart. She ends up going back home. And this is the one part that gets really rushed. Well, in a slow way. Uh, she returns to her home in Staten Island. For, oh, you're, t- you're talking about now when she's going to go crazy. She's kind of gone. But, but she, you think she goes crazy? Oh, and this after that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> she absolutely goes crazy. So you're right. You, you've what got are you me. talking about? I, I have fast-forwarded beyond perhaps the climactic scene. Well, yeah, we can go back. We don't need to talk about that yet, maybe. There's lots of lots before then. Before then, yeah. yeah. So uh, so she yeah. gets so let, let's get back to she gets back from New York from this deposition that she brought Olga to. Um, and she has a con- the, the big confrontation with Sharon. Yeah. With her wife. Uh-huh. And, Sharon leaves her. I, yeah, it tells her to leave. Tells her to yeah, leave, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got the daughter. She's got, and Sharon has the daughter. Has, yeah. It, it has custody of the daughter, it seems, it seems like. As, as I think probably. Parental control. Yeah, I think that's probably just a mutual thing. I'm staying here with her. They, they meet at the school, right? And then Sharon takes the and daughter. Sharon takes the daughter, mm-hmm. and Lydia feels like, powerless to really do anything. Yeah. Because she says, why don't you come with me? We'll get ice cream? Is that what she says? Something. something. So let's go do something fun. Go to the park, maybe it is. Maybe. And Sharon's like, nope, we're leaving. Yeah. And she says, don't do this to me. And then that's it. They're gone. So she doesn't have the power in the, the parental way, right. for sure. Which, which, based on the framing of the, the, the previous scene, the big blow up between uh, Tar and Sharon, uh, the a comment gets made by Sharon saying they're essentially painting the picture of every relationship that Lydia has had with anyone yeah. has been the word they use is transactional. Mm-hmm. It has been to serve somebody's interest, either to serve. In the case of Sharon and Lydia, it sounds like Lydia benefited from insider knowledge or information. Yeah, and Sharon benefited by becoming lead violinist. Lead violinist, right? And transaction. Then, and then after that. A, lot, a series of other relationships where Lydia could advance your career or choose not to based on whether or not you had a relationship with her. She says the one exception. Who is the one exception? The one relationship she's had. With the daughter. Is with the daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you Though find, I don't know Do you find it to that. be true? Yeah. No, I don't know. Because first of all, the daughter calls her Lydia, does not call her mom. Right. Sharon's mom, the grandma of the daughter, comes at one point. And the subtitles, so first of all, she doesn't, it's clear she doesn't like Lydia, the, the mom, Sharon's mom. And the, the grandma calls the kid it. It is asleep in the bedroom. And I don't know because it's translated from German, so I just don't know if the translation is, a, is an issue or what was going on there if really the grandma does not is not interested in the child either which seems true because the child is hiding behind the curtain yeah when <laughs> Lydia comes in because she does not want grandma to be anywhere around right so it's a very strange, it's a strange there's something dynamic. else going on there that is uh, not quite how you and I would have familial relationships with even with in-laws and yeah. grandparents and yeah. yeah so does does the child hold any sort of 
unique type of relationship to someone like Lydia who struggles so much to maintain relationships? I don't know. Of emotional value. Uh, sure. So a little bit because well, I thought another good scene was when Lydia went to the school. Yeah. Because the 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 daughter, I forget her name now. I do too. Uh, we, I can look at yeah, Whatever. Uh, anyway, she tells Lydia that she's being bullied right. by a particular girl. And Lydia marches right up to this little girl uh, who's very young. Very, very young. And really sort of directly threatens her. And says... I'll beat you up. Uh, yeah. And if you tell any adult, I will definitely beat you. I will, they, they won't I will, believe you. They I'm won't believe you because I'm an adult and then it'll get even worse. Uh, and it appears to work. Yep. Yeah, we don't so, hear any more from the book. I guess. And the daughter yeah. has a better day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Petra Which is, is the name of the daughter. Yeah, there it is. Petra. But it does seem sort of transaction. Yeah. You need something, I'll do it. Yeah. You call, you Lydia, I'll come in, I'll hold your foot, or whatever, you know, whatever the, yeah. the thing that the daughter has there. But it doesn't, I don't know. She, the daughter asks her to stay, and she doesn't. She goes. She says, promise you'll be back. She says, okay, I can promise you that. She stays, what, one extra day then? Yeah. Right? Eventually comes back, but, you know, whatever. It just doesn't seem like a loving relationship. It seems like a caring relationship. I don't I don't yeah. think she hates the daughter. Certainly She's, not. Yeah, definitely not. She likes spending time with her. She loves having the stuffed animals be the conductors. As, as a human being, yeah. I think the closest thing that Lydia loves, mm -hmm. in terms of a person, yes. she, loves, she does she loves, not love anybody else, including herself. She loves music. She maybe so her mentor gets talked about in, the, in this opening sequence interview she's in with Leonard Bernstein is her mentor, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe some love the way she talks about Lenny, her, her maybe maybe some of that, um, but there, it doesn't seem like she is is very capable of expressing human love, um, except may, maybe for Petra. I don't know. Maybe, but I don't think so. Not because of the denouement of the movie, because of the end. Yeah. And the the yeah, end isn't her sacrificing everything to make sure she can find time with Petra You're right. and taking a position to the. You're right. The end yeah. of the movie is her going as far away as possible to find to a find chance. music to find music. Yeah, because nothing else really matters to her, including every relationship she's ever had. So at the, at this point where we are, we she is lost. She never really had Olga, but that clearly unravels. Uh, she loses yeah. she loses Sharon. She loses Petra, uh, and then we come to find in a, a scene that is is really interestingly portrayed that she has been hiding out in a bathroom. It looks like she's coming out as though she is going to <laughs> conduct. conduct. Uh, it's good. She's I like in that. her yeah. uh, in her conducting uh, apparel, yeah. uh, whatever you would call it, uh, and she walks out as the as the orchestra is ready to play, and then you find out there's already somebody conducting. Her mentee, the person she appears to be a mentor for. Well, she tried to fire him, right? Yeah. Yep. She is, did. Is there, ready to conduct it, and she yeah. tackles. Yeah, Goldberg spear. Yeah, spears <laughs> Gold, like, like yeah. Goldberg spears him right off of, and I'm sure that the, any fans of, of conducting. Yeah, they're going to hate that. We don't know what it's We don't know any of the The dais. The dais. Yeah, yeah. The dais. Sure. Very good. Uh, the maestra 
spears the maestro off of the dais. Uh, Beats kicks, the hell out of him, him a little slaps bit. Slaps yeah. him. Puts her giant book, which I'm sure also has a name, uh, on the stand. And then she says, give me some eyes. She yeah. wants them looking at her and ready to conduct. But, of course, they're, they're out, too. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was psycho. And so it is interesting from a, a study of power perspective uh, as an acknowledgement that power is something that isn't possessed but is granted. That mm -hmm. to have control over others, they need to cede it to you. Uh, and this is the ultimate illustration that she has lost all of that power yeah, she held so dear sure to did. They stare at her and will not pick up their instruments, are not prepared to play for her. She does not have, have the power yeah. she had a week ago uh, in this moment. So she's lost her orchestra. She's lost... When you think it's only a week? I've no, I, Maybe it's longer. I don't know. I feel like it's got to be. I wrote down one of my notes here was that two hours and 15 minutes of snore, and then they just yada, yada, yada right past... Divorce, lost her daughter, lost her job, no longer going to conduct and going to, you know. See, and I guess my take was this all did happen relatively quicker than that. There's no way that it was a year later. They were getting close to performance. It feels like, but, but I think they would have had to delay Maybe. some way because of a change in conductor. And then I got to be honest, too. Um, I got to see. I've got the actual name written down. Uh Apartment for sale. Straight up banger. And what What is apartment she, for sale? She picks up the accordion and plays oh, herself apartment. a song. Apartment for sale. So apartment for sale. Straight is, up banger. This is a side narrative that <laughs> doesn't fit in the telling of the story, except I think as perhaps a metaphor for something. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to dive into what's going on next door to Lydia. Yeah. At some point. It is not central to the narrative of the story. Unless it's a reflection of her psyche in some way. I've got thoughts. I've got I thoughts. do too, because there, there's a reason why they're... That oh, is sure. a side thing in the movie, yeah. But let's tie a bow on the, the okay, main narrative sure. first. Uh, so what happens now? You, go, you very publicly go through this uh, attacking of uh, a maestro right in the beginning of the performance, escorted out by security, probably arrested. Uh, what happens? Well, I, I believe... She goes to Vietnam? Yeah. They make reference to... Or Thailand. Was it... So they make I, Because reference? earlier in the movie, they talk about Thailand for okay. something. I know. It doesn't one, mean that's one point We should know, right? At one point, they're going down the river, uh, and her hand is in the water. They're in a boat going down yeah. the river, uh, and her hand is in the water, and oh, right. they say... She says, why don't we stop and swim? Uh, and they say, we... We can't. There's alligators, and he says Brando brought them for a movie. Right, in the must be apocalypse. Now, I'm assuming right? it's apocalypse yeah. now. Sure, that would be Vietnam. Uh, so was, was it filmed in Vietnam though? I have no idea. I couldn't. I mean, it. I know that's where the movie takes place, right. but I'm not yeah. sure if it's filmed there. It could have been filmed somewhere else. Um, but so the, she is having this reckoning in <laughs> uh, in this in this Asian city where she is now uh, found a role, found a job. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, there are a couple of things she reckons with. One is the nature of how she relates romantically to others as she finds herself on purpose or accidentally, it's hard to know, but in a brothel, uh -huh. uh, and confronted with a tra a transactional yeah. relationship. Here we go again. Will she exchange money for sexual relations? And she st storms out and then throws up. 
or... Has, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. It doesn't tell us whether she actually has the relations or not. It kind of cuts away from when she's supposed to choose whom she would have this Yeah, and I think from. what you're supposed to notice is that the way that everybody is arranged with their numbers yes. is an orchestra. Yeah. The the people that she is supposed to choose from. Yep, for are, this Yes, are exactly. She is now the conductor, yep. but conducting a very sort of different business. And it is, uh, I think she is realizing, oh, shit. Yeah. This is how I made people feel. Maybe. Maybe. Well, and number five. I don't know, though. Number five, who is looking, every one of them is looking down. Yeah. One of them is looking her right in the eye. Mm -hmm. As number five was also about position where Olga would have been yeah. positioned uh -huh. in the orchestra. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it could have been a, just a realization that all these other relationships were the same thing. Yes. That you held a you held a position or an influence that you could use to barter for their romantic and sexual interests. And they may as well have been numbers. They may as well have been numbers. Yeah. yeah. Because that's the way you treated them. Yeah. <laughs> so she she theoretically reckons I don't know her response is she vomits in the street I don't know if that's her coming to terms with anything or not and then we find out about her yeah. gig right she's got a new gig <laughs> yeah yeah uh, which is the final note of the final note of condescension I feel like in this movie which is uh, video games are a lower form of yeah. art because this is an orchestra for a, a popular video game uh, portrayal Monster Hunter World right. I think something like that. Well, yeah. because I have a, I had a note from the very beginning of the movie, and it said, "Well, the credit they rolled the credits at the beginning of the movie." They did, which is a choice. It's totally a choice, and it's something that people have asked for for a while, on and off, a little bit about if you really care about these people, you know, they encourage people to, you should stay for the credits because these people work hard. Well, why don't you put them on the marquee instead of the actors? And then anyway. Uh, they put the credits up front, and the only thing that I recognized from all the credits, sort of half-heartedly sitting there and glancing at them, was a three or four different times they mentioned Monster Hunter World. Yeah, in the thing. Which so is that's a real I'm, video game. A real video game. I've never played it. I've heard it's Same here. worth playing. Uh, but so that's what I assumed it must have been. Yes, because there's no other no other allusion to yeah. it. Yep, so she, she, she comes out as though she's conducting a typical orchestra. Everything seems very typical until at the last yeah. minute some screens lower. They project some video game imagery on there. There's a voiceover that sounds like a video game introduction. And then a pan to the audience. Everybody's dressed in cosplay. cosplay. Yeah, it looked yeah. like fun. It did look like uh -huh. fun. And, and that's where I say it's the. it felt like a final note of condescension as though she had reached in the eyes of the creators of this film some sort of equivalent to rock bottom, that this is the lowest form of conduct. Oh, I didn't take it that way. Oh, see, that's how I took it. Oh, to, no, to... I, I took it like I, like I mentioned before, that she went all the way across the world, and it, well, I guess it is still sort of bottom feeding, maybe. But she went anywhere. It didn't matter where, as long as she could create music and put her interpretation on yep. what somebody else had run as as long as she can do that, she can ride in the crowded spots and she can go in the uh, hotel that is, you know, not what she's used to doing and yeah. kind of, quote, lower herself. Yeah. As long as she can make the music. As right. long as she can conduct, she doesn't care about that other stuff. So that, so, okay, so that's an interesting alternative interpretation that to her... 
this is as as valuable as anywhere else because she's doing what she likes. I, at least it's a stepping stone to maybe coming back. Sure. Right? The okay. idea that I, as long as I can keep making music, people will see that I'm awesome. That I have an influence. Yeah, and I have an influence. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, it's baby steps. Yeah. So there is this side narrative, we mentioned it a moment ago, that I want to talk about. Uh, as mm. as the story, as we've been telling it, plays on, things are happening next door in the apartment building. Uh, in, and in the in building. Berlin. Yeah, throughout, Do you yeah. think it's both? Do you think they're tied together? So this idea that she mm. finds some things that are apparently sort of maybe Krista communicating with her through the gift of that book, through the way that the things are arranged, through the metronome, the metronome going in. turned out in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah, so there are so there's some bizarre happenings that go on when she wakes up in the middle of the night, as well as some other things. Uh, she's having dramatic dreams Definitely. often that precede those things yeah. happen, which seems to be a haunting of this Krista, a relationship we don't really get to see on screen in any meaningful way. No, not at all. Uh, but that she's being haunted by... And so maybe the beginnings of her realizing she needs to reckon with her past, that she is going to face the consequences of her actions. Mm. Uh, the metronome it, uh, it seemed to me to, to, to ring very closely of a telltale heart. Yeah. Poe sort of thing. All of those things. Yeah. The bell chiming, which we find out is next door. Uh, the humming, the metronome, the, the, the refrigerator... Making noise, all those different things. The the book missing. The book missing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sure yeah. Not that. sure either. But they they were sort of intimating that somebody was in her apartment yeah. occasion, mm -hmm. and maybe it was Krista. Because yeah. what uh, the one time in the in the playroom, the things were arranged in like a puzzle slash maze kind of way, which was the same thing that was on the, in the. Inside of, the book, inside of the book, which was the same thing as the cover of the metronome. So it all had the same pattern on it. Yeah. So I think they were kind of maybe trying to say that either Krista had actually been there and was leaving these messages for her because she really was obsessed. Or Lydia is sort of imagining these things. That because at, I think so too. Because as she's getting awoken and wandering in the middle of the night that's what her thoughts keep coming back to yeah. she just can't escape the different ways that things should have could have gone differently and maybe speaking fingers crossed to a some semblance of a conscience of regret mm. sure i think so that she she won't she won't vocalize that uh -huh. out loud no. to someone like francesca but that she she feels it she recognizes that the things she's done and is doing, or it doesn't stop her from doing them, but that they're wrong? I don't yeah. know. Some semblance of regret. But then we have the neighbors. The neighbor, so the, the, yeah. the neighbor is an infirm uh, elderly woman, and yeah. her daughter, who is caring for her, her caregiver, and needs a bit of caregiving herself. It appears that way, yeah. At the very end, they say that she is now been shipped to a home or something like well, that. Well, uh, an insane asylum, I think an they asylum, said. Think yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so there, there are just a few encounters of knocks at the door that lead to Lydia encountering this woman as she's aging. She's fallen at one point. Lydia needs to help her up. Yeah. And then it, it culminating uh, in terms of the, the neighbor themselves with a moment where Lydia is coming down the stairs of the apartment 
and out come some paramedics or, or emergency responders carrying the old woman out uh, on a stretcher and in a body bag. She has passed away. And Lydia's response is one of cowering horror. She ducks into the corner, yeah. covering her face. Um, my interpretation of that is Lydia confronting the disorder that is being alive. That she is somebody that so strongly and deeply seeks to control her world, but there is an inevitable pull of entropy towards disorder. And eventually she'll be old, eventually she'll die, eventually she'll, day by day, lose more and more control to here's this woman who is dependent on her daughter to use the restroom. Right? Yeah. She has such little control, and this is a foreshadowing of her life ultimately to the, to the ultimate end of entropy uh, and the end of life, and that, that is her greatest fear. I have a similar interpretation um, but it's more that this, th she subconsciously is seeing herself end up like the neighbor in that nobody's even going to know that she's there. Just yeah. The neighbor yeah. doesn't, can't bother to know her name or even know what's happening. They are four, their doors are four feet away from right. her. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't know who the, the name of them. She doesn't know what they're doing. She has no idea, yeah. even though they're there all the time. And I think that's her subconscious saying, you keep doing what you're doing. You are going to be that person that nobody has any idea who they are because you're just going to be in your own apartment. No one will be there. No one will be there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even, even at the end of the movie, it feels like she continues to be on that path. On that path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we don't see the end of the neighbor saga when the elderly woman dies. We, we get reintroduced to York, the banger. Oh, the it's a banger. Oh. Uh, she gets a knock on the door. The, the, the rest apartment of the kids of the family are selling the apartment. And they say, we've overheard your music. And she, uh, so full of herself, is yes. like, well, oh, thank. you're welcome. I hope you enjoy yes. your performance. Uh-huh. They clarify, no, 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 we're, we're trying to sell this place. It's oh. kind of loud. Could you tell us when you'll be rehearsing so that we can avoid noise? Which results in her breaking out the accordion, yeah. which I believe is the instrument Krista played. Well, it's what she played as a kid because okay. when she goes back to her home in New York, yeah. she's got accordions and things in pictures yeah. and stuff. Yeah, okay. So, so she's, she's, she's marching around her apartment, oh, yeah. accordion in hand. Apartment for sale, apartment for sale, uh, absolutely making jams and trying to drive off any neighbors. Well, I don't know if she's of, trying to drive them spot. off. She's just being an asshole. Yeah, to, to try to prevent yeah. them from being able to sell the apartment. You, you said my music was making, was just noise. So here's Let the me show you. Yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't deserve anything if you don't recognize my music as awesome. Which is an yeah. ultimate trademark of her personality, uh -huh. revenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. No thought for, oh, yeah, my bad. I can see it from yeah. somebody else's perspective. And it's just. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Fine. I'll ruin your life. Then. Vindictive. Yeah. Sure. Uh, to you, what? So that's that's the film. Uh, I, I, a couple of things I want to talk about. If you were to fix this movie, if, if it were brought mm. to you, you're, you're the focus group. How do you how would you fix this movie if you could adjust it in any way? It's hmm. a really good question. It's just too damn long, first of all. It's Two hours long. and 40 minutes is just too much. There's just not enough story there. I understand the atmosphere. 
And I understand you have to sort of live with Lydia to understand some of the nuance that they want you to get. But it's it's just not efficient. Yeah. It doesn't it, it does three, in three scenes. Mm -hmm. What it really only takes I get it. I understand her relationship with Newt. I get it. I understand her relationship with Sebastian. I get it. I understand the relationship. I don't need a third time with them. I don't need a... Yeah. So I think that's the first thing I would do is just cut 40 minutes, make it just a standard two-hour movie. And I think it would just be a little bit quicker paced and uh, a little bit more accessible. Yeah. It's just not that accessible. I, I totally agree. I think it's only for a very narrow and niche specific audience. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what you're saying with accessibility. Uh, and then I, 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 will, I won't even go as so far as to say too damn long, but it needs to be more efficient in the storytelling. Yeah. If you're going to keep it at 240, that's fine. But how about, and Kate Blanchett is incredible in this movie. How about some scenes without her? Right? And let's develop her character by seeing how other people talk about her. Yeah. When she's not on screen. Um, it'll, let, let's get a sense of how the orchestra feels about her when she's not on stage. Uh, or what's the relationship between Petra uh, uh, and, and Sharon? Sharon. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there are some, some details and some nuances that I think we could have gained from others. And I, the movie's not intended to be that. And I get it. It is meant to be experienced wholly through the, the, the singular lens of Lydia Tarr. But... I think I would have been a little bit more into it and, under, and understood the, the world a little bit better if it was more broad. And I think if I, was, yeah. if I was in an orchestra, if I was an adult that was either choosing to or was a professional orchestra musician, I would like this movie better too if I got a sense of the culture, the climate of the sure. players, not just of Lydia Tarr. So uh, there's that. And then yeah. what, what an amazing backstory there must be to the character of Lydia Tarr to make it to this height in this industry as a gay woman. And sure. some of that backstory would be really interesting. Mm -hmm. We just kind of we kind of fast forward through it. Yeah, so well it that's fast forwards it. through a few of the things that I think are the most interesting. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I said, a yada yada through her going crazy. Mm -hmm. They show her playing the accordion yeah. and sort of spiraling down, but then the next scene is her tackling at the orchestra. At the orchestra, yep. There's nothing about, well, she got kicked out. She's not living with her daughter anymore, and she must miss her daughter. Mm. And, you know, the she goes into the meeting where they're going to tell her that she's no longer going to be the conductor, but they don't even show the meeting. Right. Or her reaction, or how she processes it, or what you know. Yeah, they yada yada through some of the most emotional parts. They sure do. Yeah, yeah. which I mean, certainly was a deliberate choice. Right? They would, they would probably, the director or the writers would probably tell us, "You're missing the point." Right, and may, maybe the point is that it is yeah. supposed to be just from the perspective of Lydia Tarr, and she is blocking those things out. She doesn't want to reconcile those things. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't want to think about the difficult path she had to take as a, as, a, as a female emerging to the heights of that career. She doesn't want to remember Krista. So we don't get these snapshots. Well, and of, I, I think they deal with Krista fine. 
I didn't need more backstory on the relationship with Krista. I didn't need more the, the mystery part of that and not really knowing what happens. Compelling. I think it makes the accusatory things way more interesting. Because okay. you said at the beginning, a sexual predator? Yeah. And I said, I don't know. Maybe. Certainly she, she, she of, took advantage of her position of power. She's trying to predate on Olga. It feels like it, though she never does. And it feels like at least Krista thought she did. There's the potential but, with Francesca, too. But Yeah, potentially. But we never see, you see it. it. We fair. don't really know. It, it feels like, and I think the movie is telling us that she is, yeah. taking advantage of her power to have... Like you said, transact or like the movie says, transaction. Yeah. But part of that transaction for me is we have romantic relationships. Yes. That's not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the way you should live your life is to take advantage of your position of power in those ways. But uh, it seems like Krista was uh, interested in her. And maybe the obsession sure. was true. I mean, yeah. maybe that part Likely. was true. Like maybe they broke it off because I'm married. Right. We are just supposed to be having sex. Right. And it just seems like you want way more than that. I'm not interested at all. Get the hell away from me. In fact, get the hell away from me so much so that don't ever mention my name again. Right. And if you do, I will tell everybody how terrible. How terrible. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so second thing yeah. I want from you. Um, okay. What do you take away? What are your takeaways? Big picture, small picture. As you leave this movie, what did you gain? What I gain? What did you gain or what are you thinking differently okay. about? What, well, my first thing that I take away from have? it is the recommendation to people of this movie. If anybody ever asks, you seen Tar? I will have different answers for different people. Yeah. Right? And like, there are some people like, no, no, no. Terrible movie. You don't don't bother. You don't want to see this. And other people, I'd be like, yeah, I think hey, you'd be interested in this. And I, but I would always couch it with, know what you're in for. Yeah. It's two hours and 40 minutes of period piece, right? right? Of mm -hmm. yeah, this modern period, right? right? But also just has that feel. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the movie, they talk about um, – a conductor is just a human metronome. Yeah, a timekeeper. Yeah, and that's kind of how I have always thought of conductors. Like the lacrosse symphony here has guest conductors all the time. And the guest conductor, well, all the time. They do it as a fundraiser uh, and sort of successful at that. But I've always kind of thought of that as they pick somebody from basically anywhere just to fundraise. Because in my mind... Anybody can conduct. I can still one, two, three, four. Right. One, two, three, four. And the people, they got the sheet music in front of you. Play the sheet music. Right. This movie gave me a different perspective on it. Yeah. I felt like it really did give me a sense of, through hours and hours and hours of practice, the conductor can change things in a way that make small differences add up into significant changes yeah. in a piece of music. They interpret the music yeah. for the audience, uh, at, even though they're not the ones necessarily to write it. Um, 
But boy, howdy, that's a niche market you're appealing to. Right? <laughs> it really is. Right? You're, you're talking about not only people that really are is. going to be aware of all the music that, that, that the orchestra is going to play, but then are going to be able to recognize the subtle differences in tempo, volume, yeah. timing, uh, from one section to another. Yeah, it takes talent, right? It takes a lot of talent, and there's not a lot of people that are going to recognize uh -huh. your unique talent. Definitely. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, my takeaways, a uh, similar one that, that also came out last year. That I feel like it's very similar in tone uh, and takeaway. It was the Banshees of Inishirin. Oh uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, I know I would. I know I, I'd be interested. It, it it is a movie about the choice to cast off friendships and relationships in pursuit mm -hmm. of art that is everlasting. That art lasts longer than our relationships. And so, uh, the relationships take a backseat to the art. And it certainly seems like that's the case for Lydia Tarr as well. That she struggles to have anything in the way of a meaningful, non-transactional relationship because her true love, her true passion is the, the, the creation of her art. Um, and so that's one of the takeaways uh, I get from this, uh, that she alienates friends and loved ones. Now that I thought of one more thing, yeah. to, uh, sorry to interrupt, but you said how I improve it. I have one more improvement. Mm -hmm. There's a scene where she, where Olga forgets the little bear in her car. Yeah. Oh, and so she yeah. gets out and goes to chase after Olga in a very poor neighborhood mm -hmm. and goes down. And I, at this point of watching the movie and how slow it was, I would have just turned the movie into Barbarian. Yeah, she gets, she gets chased by a subterranean. <laughs> I, I would just have changed it into a straight, yeah, straight horror, horror movie. From yeah. you know, it felt like maybe it was going to be the dog comes in. It really? Yeah, that would have been awesome. And then it just goes right back to what it was. <laughs> yes, it really right. does. Yeah. Ten seconds of, of that. And then. and then for me, the other takeaway is something we talked about before. But how do we reconcile the transgressions of our heroes or other mm -hmm. artists. Sure, um, yeah. And what role they play, especially in the study of those arts. That I, How can you ask somebody to successfully study yeah. orchestral music and not study Bach? Um, it's so foundational, but having to then reconcile his and any other transgressions. Those were the, the thinking points that I took away from this. All right, that then brings us to our last thought, our final thing. Uh, we watched Tar this we week. We did. Uh, this is Burning Movies. Uh, Terry, are you going to burn it or buy it, or would you rather just forget it? I, I, am uh, in between. I think I'm just going to forget it. You're going to forget it. Yeah, I think so. You're out. Uh, of there was well, so there were four scenes in the movie uh, that were. I mean, we talked about it for how freaking long? Yeah. Right. So we. I, it, it, does, it made me think, and mm -hmm. it. it Created discussion, but I don't ever want to watch it again. Sure, and I don't think the amount of people that I would ever suggest it to are like it's just so small. It's really just, small. Yeah, I just I, I'm not a man. It's a forget it for me. I think I'm gonna burn it. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not. Gonna, I don't. I don't blame you. I'm certainly not gonna buy it. I did think Kate Blanchett was wonderful, and I could imagine a world where I'm talking with somebody and they say, "You know, I love Kate Blanchett," and I say, "Well, did you see Tar?" Yeah. And they say, "No, I haven't." Well, you've got to watch. No, it. no, I've got the DVD. Right. I, 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 I would it. tell them. I tell I you what, you should avoid. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to spend a dime on it. But yeah. but maybe <laughs> break it up into seven viewing sessions. Um, 
There are, though, it, I mean, it's, I'm not buying it. Uh, yeah. It is, there, the acting was great, but the story and characters, as they're written, largely forgettable. Forgettable. Very few memorable scenes. I'll remember the scene of the class. I would. I would you remember the scene of the class if you weren't a teacher? Probably not. But I will, because I am. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Fair point. Uh, and so that, I mean, if you really love music and classical music, you know, maybe watch the opening scene with that interview. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And if you like that, stick around. And if you don't like it, it's I good. think just turn it off. It's a good litmus I think, test. I think that's... that's that. Watch the opening scene. That if opening you're interview. interested, you're probably going to like this movie. If you're yep. not, you're not going to. Uh-huh. Uh, there's also no one to root for, really, in this movie. And if you try to root for somebody, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, there are things to be appreciated about the movie. Yeah. I'm certainly not going to watch it again. I'll recommend it to a very niche audience, but there are more people I will say, this isn't for you, than that I would say, Absolutely. this is for you. Yeah. Right on. Well, let's watch another movie and come back in a week. Yeah, sounds great. This has been Burning Movies. We watched Tar this week with Greg and Terry. Right on.